0: Welcome back to Wrong Opinions Only with your host Justin and Kayla. And we've been off for a couple weeks here, Kayla. We went like 50 straight weeks of podding. And sometimes more than one, sometimes some uh some little Instagram lives, and we needed a little bit of a break, but we are back to start season four of Wrong Opinions Only, and we're coming with just a whole bunch of shit we saw since the last time <laughs> we talked to you guys.
1: You know, as elegant as ever, Justin, this break, just, you know, same Justin new year, let's go. Um, yeah, that's right. We saw a shit ton of movies as Justin said, and man, it's so great to have a podcast to talk about them all because that's exactly what we're going to do and catch up on. So thanks for joining us back. 2024. This is our year. Let's go. Okay. I want to start with our first film, which we did not see together, but we did see, and it is Ferrari. All right. So Ferrari follows the personal and professional struggles of Enzo Ferrari, the Italian founder of the car manufacturer Ferrari during the summer of 1957, stars Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz, Shailene Woodley, and Patrick Dempsey. Justin, we're just doing highs, lows, VHS rating. So Ferrari, what were some highs for you?
0: The wardrobe? Like, let me get Enzo Ferrari's wardrobe. I love Adam Driver and his, uh, he just loves to play these kind of Italians or like old timey type of guys. And I thought his performance in his wardrobe was great, but the biggest high, Kayla, had to be Penelope Cruz. She was fantastic in this film.
1: I completely agree. I mean, Am Driver, first of all, cracks me up again, like loves to play a man in his sixties and seventies. Who's Italian. Uh, He's great at it. So keep going. Uh, But Penelope Cruz several times. I mean, I wasn't with you, but I feel like spiritually we were because when we did talk about the film, I go, they can do whatever they want to Penelope Cruz. And they did. They try to put heavy bags on her eyes. They give her like a, a, a rough, you know, tumbled hair. I'm sorry, but Penelope (laughs) Penelope Cruz looks stunning. And the fact that she had to play this like wife, disgruntled wife, and then they paint kind of Shailene Woodley as this like, you know, family that he wants to be with. Ultimately. I'm like, I'm sorry, Shailene Woodley over Penelope Cruz. Get it together. Enzo, get it together.
0: Well, I think that ties into the biggest low is how do you cast shailene woodley in that part it's just one of the worst casting decisions i've ever seen she does not fit at all it just takes you kind of out of the entire tone of the film because she's supposed to be italian or at least some type of italian heritage and you don't get that at all watching the movie it just completely took me out of it kayla
1: she could have been replaced with so many different people i just thought like I, I mean, I know you're going against Adam Driver, you're going against Penelope Cruz, but I'm sorry, like, it was such a blah performance, and we were supposed to kind of, I think, be torn, like, feel bad for Penelope Cruz's character, and maybe, like, Shailene Woodley's character, but she, as you know, I am predisposed to just not like Shailene Woodley at all, cause since I don't, Um, but I mean, it was just a boring performance, I was like, please go back to Penelope Cruz getting ready to, like, slice someone's head off, you know?
0: Yeah, have Penelope Cruz just burst into the door with a gun pointing it at Enzo Ferrari's head? We need more of that energy. And I, I really thought going in, I had a different perception on what the movie was going to be going in. I didn't realize it was going to be so focused on just basically a few year window when they were transitioning from just the race cars into more of like the commercial vehicles, and they were. It was kind of centered around this big race, but I thought it was going to be more of how did Ferrari. Get it start. How did Enzo Ferrari get to where he was when this movie started? But it really just kind of dives you right into the, you know, late stages of his life and how he started to transition the company.
1: I I agree. It's kind of at a point where Ferrari is about to go under essentially, and how he kind of made made it work. But they don't even show that. And as someone like me who doesn't have any car knowledge whatsoever going into this. Um, I found it a really good film to go through, but I, I wondered like, okay, especially with the racing component, I wish I could have seen how somehow in the titles or something expressed like how he actually came up and was not bankrupt and like made Ferrari what it was, it became more of like a final say about the family and where they ended up, but it well, was, they about... ended up
0: at, at the end of the movie. It was like, they got a call because they per- mm-hmm. intentionally leaked that maybe they joined with Ford and then was it Fiat called them? Yeah. And what happened in real life is they actually did kind of do a merger with Fiat a couple of years later, which is what kept them afloat. But it's like very just the title card you know you don't
1: see it it's just like you you kind of go through like how's this gonna work out i'm not sure if this is a high and low can i say mid is just a horrific horrific car scene that happens in this film that i was i knew a car flies from the trailer i did not was not prepared for honestly the massacre that was shown that was, I mean, it was dead silent in my theater. You could have heard a pen drop. No one was breathing during the scene as it slow pan. on like literally dismembered body parts of, of kids. It was horrible. Just
0: out of nowhere in the movie and something similar to that happened in real life. So that's why it's shown, I guess. But yeah, there was an audible gasp from everybody in the theater that I saw. And then silence, like what the hell is happening it's towards the back end of the movie and it's kind of going one way and you know something bad's going to happen but then it's not the best cgi it's kind of for michael man movie i thought it'd be a little bit better done and then it's just like oh there's just a an arm there's a leg there's a, a head rolling down the the road and you're like what the hell is happening right now
1: it really kind of like, I mean, I, it was fascinating as like a move because otherwise it was like a serious and sometimes comical movie, but that was just so gory and a lot of parts and and horrifying, honestly. And then, um, you know, I gotta say Patrick Dempsey, I saw in the film Thanksgiving and, uh, he had a horrible Boston accent. It was like, he didn't try in that movie. In fact, I think Chit, myself, and Kayla laughed the whole time every time he like would talk in his normal voice and then be like, John Cava, out of nowhere. And you're like, wait, what? Is he Boston again? <laughs> in this movie, he I don't even think he attempted to watch no, one thing about Italy to get some sort of accent. So anytime he was on as just a silver fox, he's, he's trying to be in this later part of his life, this third act, cracks me up because it was like a whore. I mean... A little bit he tried, but not really. I mean, he just and checks at this point. Patrick Dempsey post Grey's Anatomy.
0: Yeah, he's just supposed to be like the older heartthrob kind of, but we don't get much, if any, character development on him or the other drivers for Ferrari. It's, it's very much focused on Adam Driver's Enzo character and how he just has such a gravitas, like, where he lives and everybody kind of bows down to him, but he's still kind of has it right he does kind of like make these decisions like pretty quickly like oh go do this uh oh, change that out oh no we want to go this route and then like rips into the drivers in one scene that i thought was pretty good where he's just like if you want this you have to be willing to die for it they're not gonna break you can't break go for it like this is what you need to do if you're on this team otherwise don't be here and i'm like damn dude but that's i guess how you get to that to that stage and with this it, type it of is- company
1: it is certainly how you get to that stage, since the person that he was kind of directing that towards ended up sawed in half at the end of the film. So he yeah, definitely took that literally. Um, about you know, uh, racing to the death. Gotta say too, as far as racing across Italy in basically a tin box with like no seat belts, no protective anything, a wild, wild thing that we did. I didn't look it up, but I I want to know like when we stopped doing that because all the whole time I was like, wow, one. I don't know, hit and you're dead in these vehicles. Crazy. Death
0: traps. Oh, absolutely insane. Like there's so many accidents, and then it's just kind of like, oh, you wait to hear if you uh if this person shows up in eight hours. If they don't, they may have died or maybe their car broke down. Who's to know?
1: Who's to know? <laughs> Who's to know? Um, all right. Shall we get to our VHS ratings for Ferrari?
0: Sure thing. Kayla, what did you rate this?
1: Okay. This is hard, but the drama of this film to me, because I love, I was like Enzo's messy of a character look at all this two family life that he's living. I'm going to give this a four. I had a good time at the movies it was okay. a four VHS tape for me.
0: That's a little higher than I thought you'd go. Mm-hmm. I gave it three and a half and I do like the overall story. And a lot of it is centered on the loss of uh, their first son, I believe is who they were kind of mourning throughout the film. And, That was kind of the thing hanging over, which kind of gave you more of an emotional connection to all the characters and what they're going through. So I thought it was a really good film, but I I was really hoping for more. I wanted more of the story as opposed to just kind of the snippet.
1: I'm with you there. So that's our Ferrari rating. Go check it out. Next on the dock is Wonka. All right, so Wonka tells the origin story of Willy Wonka. Have you heard of him? A character in the 1964 novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Ronald Dahl. Features his early days as a chocolatier. Stars Timothy Chalamet, Klaw Lane, Keegan-Michael Key, Olivia Coleman, Hugh Grant. I got to preface our review with a little story about this Wonka experience, okay? Which we yes, did Kayla, tell
0: the story because... I would, if you wouldn't, I assume you, I know where you're going here.
1: I'm sure you do. So I was sharing with you and we went with Kayla and I go, you know, there's this phenomenon going right now where, you know, producers and stuff are realizing people do not like musicals. So, um, they're like, listen, we got musical movies coming out. Let's not show that it's a musical in the trailer. And basically, their idea is to surprise people who pay tickets and then are surprised with a musical that they hate. Wild strategy. But I was just literally sharing that with you both. Like, isn't that crazy how oh, trailers do that? Wonka starts, and I go, here we go. And Timothy Chalamet starts singing, and I literally gasped and turned to you both. Like, did I I did I fall for it in real time? <laughs> I was stunned. I was not prepared for Timothy Chalamet to sing. How was that experience for you?
0: Very similar. I had no idea it was gonna be a musical either. I thought there'd be some musical elements to it. And then I feel like an idiot. Cause when I told everybody else, I knew they're like, well, the original was a musical. And when I started thinking about it, I was like, I guess it was, but like, I I did not mentally consider it a musical. I thought it had some musical moments, but it was more of a story with elements to it, but yes. no, it's, it's a musical. Through and Listen,
1: through. I agree with you in retrospect. I go, okay, I guess there are, there are some songs in the original Willy Wonka. Like, okay, but here's what I'll say Usually in musicals, heavy, real musicals, these songs dictate the plot and emotions. I don't feel like, I feel like Willy Wonka had musical moments, but I don't consider it a musical because there's so much normal talking scenes in it. So it just jarred me, honestly. And here's the thing. If you want a successful musical, okay, you have to have several elements, One is people need to be able to sing. I mean, I'm sorry, but people seem to forget that fact. And two, you have to have memorable songs. You have to have people leaving the theater and singing Frozen as they go along, singing, you know, whichever. This did not have either. What do you say about that?
0: Yeah, I don't think the songs were very good at all, especially compared to the original, which were so iconic. I do think that Chalamet has kind of a charismatic to him, like I think he could pull off the wonka character he 's got the mannerisms he 's fun you 're kind of rooting for him he's he 's energized and excited the whole time i don 't think he was too bad as a singer he wasn't top notch but the rest uh not even close in my opinion. Kayla just gave me a look like Chalamet <laughs> was the worst singer she 's ever heard in her life
1: i mean he was pretty bad he was he he wasn 't quite um oh my god who was the who is the I hate it when I bring up stuff in real time and we're both scrambling. Um, the musical name Miz, the movie, who was-
0: I know exactly who you're talking about and he <laughs> we played- We always uh... do,
1: but we're so We're so I, we're bad, so at, bad at thinking on
0: the spot like this because he also played Gladiator, <laughs> Russell Crowe.
1: Yes. They have celebrities, right? They want the names. And then he gets a song that is very famous in the musical that you're like excited to have someone sing, and he's horrible and he can't sing. And forever that movie to me is marked by the fact that you had Russell Crowe, this important character in the movie, who can't sing, just so he could be in it. And so, yeah, Timothy Chalamet wasn't quite Russell Crowe level where I was cringing at his singing, but it just like it made the songs he was singing unmemorable, except for the nostalgic songs that he would sing from the original movie. Other than that, like I was like, okay, Timothy Chalamet, you can stop now and start dancing, you know?
0: I am very interested in his choices as an actor though, because he takes swings. He does weird things. He does artistic things. And then he also does kind of the big blockbuster like Dune, which I think he is amazing in. So he's not afraid to kind of stretch his his types of characters out amongst all these different films and maybe he just had something on his list of I want to do a musical I want to see if I could pull it off who knows
1: I just think if I'm like an up and coming actor young and definitely like getting some really big parts I just I don't know if I'm like musicals a way to go if I can't sing you know Um, but that's what he chose to do and you know what sometimes you need a fun one sometimes you just need to do one for the mere funness of it I don't know who else I would have play Willy Wonka so I, I thought the Willy Wonka of it all was fine the plot was absurd
0: the plot but- sucked that's what my low is my low mm-hmm. is the entire plot and chocolate cartel What? okay this basically he got he gets uh, sold into uh, slavery here and then breaks out and feeds a giraffe and then becomes Willy Wonka I. it's just the plot was all over the place I absolutely loved Hugh Grant, though. Oh, my gosh. Hugh Grant playing an Oompa Loompa. I laughed every single time he came on screen. That was electric.
1: Oh, yeah. He was very entertaining. It did give a little backstory on the Oompa Loompas, although that was kind of confusing. Um yeah, there were parts that just made me nostalgic, honestly, for the original film. I will say that movie made me go like, wow, I really want to watch that movie again, which I did. And I was like, I really loved it. But I can't say like, the thing of it is when I go to a musical movie, I want to go home and want to play that soundtrack on the way home. You know, like I want to be like, oh, I love that song. I want to hear it again. And I, and I can't say there's one song on this album I would hear again. And to me, that's a failure as a musical movie, but entertaining when we saw it.
0: Yeah, so I think it is time for us to give our VHS tapes, Kayla, and it seems like we're pretty down on this, despite it grossing over five hundred million dollars to date. So,
1: yeah, um, I'm going to give it a ripe two and a half VHS tapes.
0: Exactly where mm-hmm. I landed, two and a half VHS <laughs> okay. tapes, Kayla. Perfect. So, like, yeah, a little below average, essentially.
1: Correct. Not quite. We should have walked out of the theater, but definitely something didn't leave us with what we kind of wanted out of the film all right the next film i'm going to discuss is a film i saw i'm hoping that you'll see eventually because i think you'll really enjoy this film it is iron claw all right so iron claws based on the life of professional wrestler kevin kevin von eric and the von eric family stars zach efron in a truly unreal body truly cannot oversell how inhuman his body looks in this film. Um, Jeremy Allen White, who we praise and praise from the bear, Harris Dickinson, Lily James. Um, are you intending to see this movie? Let me start off with that.
0: So Is Kayla, this on your list or I've. It was on my list, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it or give reviews without like major spoilers, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I'm in the mental state of mind right now to watch such a sad, downtrodden movie. I think I need to be in a real good spot emotionally and mentally before i can really uh dive into this
1: words i've never said but i totally totally understand it here's the thing i don't have a wrestling background and i'll be quick with this kind of review because i i would like you to see it eventually when you are because it it really was a phenomenal film and i don't know where it's gonna land on the oscar lineup but you know it it really was a good watch in theaters I don't know much about wrestling and by much, I mean, barely any. So all of this story was new to me. I'll say without knowing the story other than what kind of happens to this family, which is very tragic. I knew that going into it. So of course I knew like there's going to be a lot of sadness in this film. So all of the story of it was really, really well done. Really interesting. The sad, heartbreaking moments. I'm going to tell you are, are gaunt wrenchers. I saw it with my parents and I can't tell you the last time I saw a movie with my parents in theaters. And I was, I telling you, sobbing, sobbing in the theater. And then just when you're like, please give me some sweet relief. They do something else that you're like, sweet Jesus. The only thing I'm going to say is that when I did go home and read up on the Von Erich family, because I think a lot of people did afterwards, um, there were some moments looking back now that I'm like, oh, I wish they would have elaborated on this. And then I did kind of feel like some of the brother's story was disjointed, like did kind of get confusing when there was a bit of a time jump mix in. So looking back, I kind of did look at the movie and go, oh, I I think they kind of didn't do well by this character. But otherwise, I think it's a, a really fantastic film. Definitely one of my top. Um, I think that was one of the films I mentioned could hit my top five of last year, and uh, it was a really good watch. So I recommend it. I'm going to give Iron Claw four and a half vhs tapes oh, wow. i it was exactly kind of what i was, I wanted going into it and i'm not even going to count kind of me thinking about it afterwards with new information i'm just going to take it as i saw it and when i left that theater i was like what a great movie as my dad laughed as my mom and i are just like wiping Crying. all of our tears off so
0: yep so quick question for you mm-hmm. i know I'm not a big wrestling person either, especially back in, uh, in that time when the, uh, Von, Von Ericks were, were big, but I know Jeremy Allen White and Zach Efron, they're not like the biggest stature. Obviously they got jacked in physical shape, but Jeremy Allen White, he's what, like five, six, five, eight. How did that get shown in the film? Could you tell, or did they play so, it off pretty so- well?
1: I'm just going to put Zac Efron on his own pedestal because again, I cannot at what point you just see his muscle veins and you're just like, <laughs> how is his body not exploding with the amount of muscle inside? Zac Efron already looks different due to his like jaw surgery he had to have. So he already has kind of a different facial structure, which fully suited this again, unholy body this man had for this film. I don't know how he's going to like, I feel like he has to be The Rock now. I don't know how he goes back to like High School Musical Bod. I I really don't, or Baywatch. Like I don't know how he de-muscles, to be honest. It seems to be a permanent state. Jeremy Allen White, the interesting thing about his character is that he's kind of shadowed by Zac Afron's muscles and just stature in the film because it is Kevin's story. Um so I understand why he takes center stage, but in, in the real story of their family, it was, you know, Jeremy Allen White's character. That was the, the really the famous one. Kevin was almost like not, yeah, Carrie was was almost like not, he's like fourth in line of these brothers. It was really him that made it to WWF and like became the superstar. That wasn't really showcased. So I think like in that way, I kind of wish he had more of a, big part in this movie. If, if I was coming from wrestling, I probably would have been disappointed. They didn't really show a lot. They showed a lot of them, but not, I think as much as maybe he deserved as, as his role in wrestling. Um, but he is short. So, I mean, he doesn't compare to Zac Efron, but he got jacked. I mean, he got, he's, he was muscle. He fit the bill. Um, I think they, he- uh,
0: I heard something where everybody showed up to set kind of, they did their own workout routine to get ready and get jacked for this movie and they all showed up and everybody kind of looked at Zach Efron and was like holy shit dude like how the hell did you do that and everybody else got ripped but he was just on such another level that it was like you said he just looks I've seen stills of, <laughs> of him and I'm like that it doesn't look like a human being
1: no it, I'm not convinced <laughs> it is I'm sure listen I don't want to say anything without confirming but I'm sure that he got some aids in that department that got him to where he needed to be and uh, no shame in that game. And it fit because, I mean, the guy, I, I mean, truly, I just, it, different parts of the movie are just kind of like, wow.
0: <laughs> well, so, if he needs help on demuscling, sure. I'm your guy, Zach Afron. Give me a call. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you how to get rid of those muscles quickly. Uh, just get onto my routine and you'll be golden.
1: I think he just deflates like a balloon maybe at the end of shooting. So I haven't seen any photos of him now, but we'll have to see. All right, let's get to the next film in our lineup, which is a film we both saw available on Netflix May, December. All right. So May, December is loosely inspired by the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal. It stars Natalie Portman as an actress, Meta, who travels to meet and study the life of the controversial woman played by Julianne Moore. She's set to play in a film, a woman infamous for the 23 year long relationship with her husband played by Charles Melton, which began when he was 13 years old. Um, What did you think about this film, Justin?
0: So, I thought Julianne Moore was incredible. Uh, She's playing such a kind of an awkward but nuanced performance where you don't, you can't really get a real feel for her because she adapts to whoever she's around in that moment to basically manipulate them with emotion or however she's handling it. So, I thought her performance was really good. The meta aspect of Natalie Portman being playing an actress that is going to see Julianne Moore in order to get a better understanding of how to play her in a film was conceptually really cool. I watched this on a, uh, on a plane flight. So I watched it on, uh, my, uh, my tablet. It was pretty slow at times though. It was, it, it was kind of tough for me to really get like super invested. And I think it, it gets, uh, knocked down a couple notches because I heard so many people talking it up before i watched it so everyone's like this movie's amazing this is going to be nominated for best picture like you have to see it oh my gosh this is great so i had such high expectations that when i watched it i was like oh that was good but it didn't live up to all the hype for me
1: um did you like black swan did you see black swan
0: i really liked black swan yes
1: okay Natalie Portman reminded me of our black Swan performance because it became unhinged kind of throughout the film. I mean, I will say, I think they both were going for it because they both were in like the same movie, but taking it at different levels. Like you said, some serious, some just like, what the hell is going on right now? I really enjoyed this movie. It was, I I guess I want to turn it to you with this question too there's been some controversy, whether it's a drama, is it a comedy? Obviously some people have a lot of feelings on the loosely based off of a real situation that happened. Did you find this to be a comedy? Like where would you put this on the genre? Like, do you see the humor in it or was it a drama? I a hundred
0: percent saw the humor in it. I think if you watch it without taking a lot of those moments as humorous, then it's, I don't think it's a very good film. Like you have to lean into they know what they're doing here. Like there's the scene where we don't have enough hot dogs. They're making 600 hot dogs for the 12 people that are in their backyard. There's Natalie Portman, like rehearsing reading back lines in the mirror, which is absurd. And it's, it's done in a way where you're like, is Natalie Portman not a good actress or is she playing an actress who is not a good actress? That's trying to figure out how to act in somebody else. And it's like, so like in on itself that I don't know, my mind just kind of got lost a few times, you know?
1: I totally get it because the movie, like I said, she starts to get really embedded in this story. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of very serious moments, like the scene where, Julianne Moore's character is watching her daughter try on dresses and just, like, makes these kind of passive-aggressive comments on her body. And you can see how, like, her daughter internalizes that and then is like, okay, I won't wear something with sleeves. Um, I definitely related to that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is too real. Like, this is too, like, mother-daughter. like." And she does in such a way that, like, she's presenting as this loving mother but said this, like, really painful, hurtful thing as, like, an afterthought. So you got the sense like her daughter gets that kind of commentary all the time, hence their kind of toxic relationship. And then you have Natalie Portman like really getting involved in the relationship, one can say. And uh it just, I mean, I laugh there's so many parts that I laughed at because it was making fun of the kind of life lifetime movie, like with the like music was so fantastically played. Like that scene you said with the fridge, like it was a dramatic, like don't. I hope we have enough hot dog. Like and anytime it started to do that, I just, I mean, literally would just be laughing at myself. So I or definitely Natalie took Or Natalie Portman
0: a, when she's at yes. the actual pet store and she's laying on the stairs in the back, like,
1: Oh, pretending oh, to have like, orgasm. I mean, yes. just fucking Hilarious. Get I mean, this movie was batshit crazy in several parts. And then like incredibly poignant and like powerful in its statement about like these this very complicated messed up relationship right of this like older woman teacher and this kid that he was and this family he had at such a young age and like him kind of stunted essentially and obviously you're thinking about the real story this really happened you know and so it has complicated layers but i i found it just a fun weird movie you know
0: I do like how they don't really tell you how to feel at the end. It's not like a clear, like this person's a bad person because they're still together, but obviously under very odd circumstances, he's kind of stuck in that adolescence type age, like looking to Julianne Moore's character for guidance, but it's left up to you to interpret it for yourselves. Like she did her time, she got out of jail and they're carrying on this life. So I thought it, it was a pretty interesting, uh, dynamic at the end. And I do have one shameful admission that I will say on this pod. I gave a tour to Julianne Moore and I don't know if it was her son or daughter at Syracuse University back when I was a tour guide there and didn't realize Julianne Moore was on the tour. Now, she, I was told after I got back and because she was like dressed down and and I realized it wouldn't say, oh, oh, you had Julianne Moore. I was like, oh, shit, really? And then it clicked. And I was like, I didn't even realize it at the time now i was also in college you know who knows what i was doing the night before probably wasn't at the top of uh, mental state and was not as big of a movie buff then either so who's you know to
1: say? at first i had a lot of judgment in my face when you said that but in hindsight i gotta say it probably was better not to know while you were giving it because i myself if i had realized it before yeah. giving a tour I, I like to think that I keep my cool, but how would I not be staring at her? Like, it, how would I be looking at the entire group of people when I'm showing this place, the library, and I'm just staring at Julianne Morrow and ask her about her films, you know?
0: And props to her because she was in a group for the tour. And a lot of times when you have actors or big wigs or CEOs are coming on the tours, they ask for private tours. So that you kind of just walk around with them. And I've done that for various people as well. And uh, then I've also had some that just kind of mix in with the groups. And those, in my opinion, are more fun because me as a tour guide, I'm a little looser. I'm going to have a little bit more fun with it. I'm just like catering to the crowd instead of you have a lot more awkward silences when it's, you know, one on one or one on two, as opposed to having 12 people that you can kind of play off of, you know?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So maybe that worked out, but how freaking cool though to be that close to Julianne Moore. She's she rocks. She's in so many good movies. So um shout out to you Julianne Moore. All right, Justin, what do you want to give this film? May December?
0: I am giving it 3 VHS tapes, Kayla. I know it's a little low, but like I said, it was it was a little slow for my taste
1: okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna go slightly above you and give it three and a half hs tapes i i kind of finished it going i don't i don't think it's gonna it's in the big picture um your best picture excuse me lineup but i enjoyed the film so there we go all right on to the next (laughs) speaking of weird films let us go ahead and have a discussion on Saltburn. All right, so Saul Byrne focuses on an Oxford University student who becomes fixated with a popular um, aristocratic fellow student at his university who later invites him to spend the summer at his eccentric family's estate, starring Barry Keegan, uh, Jacob Elador, El- Elordi? Elordi, I think, and Jacob Rosamund Elordi. Pike. What did you think about Saul Byrne? I have many thoughts. I just want to say it fucking rocked. Go ahead
0: i have very many thoughts it fucking rock kayla i don't know if we're in the minority or the majority i've heard a lot of people hated this film a lot of people loved it i had a great fucking time watching this movie i i understand some of the shortcomings that it had but i was all in i was like halfway through it i'm like this is great why is everybody panning this damn movie so i will now hand it over to you kayla
1: (laughs) I don't know if it, I, I understand the controversial moments that people are are turned away from I don't know what it says about us if I can speak for you as well but I found every fucked up scene every like crazy dialogue between the mom like Rosamund Pike who was hilarious like it's so entertaining and hilarious. Like it just made me laugh. Like, and, and it just got the more and more absurd it became with what Barry Keegan's character does. The more I was like enthralled. I'm like, this was just a fucking weird, fun movie. It wasn't slow. It Like yep. sure. It could you could say the ending wasn't a surprise, but like, I didn't care. I don't care that he's having this villain monologue at the end. I was entertained. At, at, and the ending was so fun. Murder on the Dance Floor, I play all the time <laughs> now. I gotta Him say, I'm naked, one of the just people. just walking
0: around. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just so fucking fun. I'm just, in There's fact, when i like- such a long scene, too. It was so long, I appreciated it. And it just, I'm just like in my house going, Murder on the Dance Floor. I mean, it just was s- sung in such victory. So I loved it.
0: Yeah, I, like, everybody was kind of being pretty- I don't want to say prude because there's some really kind of weird, gross things that happen in this movie, but it's not as crazy as people were making it out to be. Like, it's not like it's, Oh wow. I can't believe anybody has ever done this in the history of math. Mankind, the bathtub scene, gross. This guy's slurping bathwater around a drain. All right. That's nasty. He, that's like, that was pretty pretty rough uh him uh, well, fucking not the, quite uh, just
1: bath bathtub water but yes i'm quite oh yeah, oh, yeah yes. there was uh
0: some other uh fluids mixed in there because he Certainly was watching so. uh jacob already masturbate in the bathtub beforehand so you know who would yeah, you know in that situation <laughs> but <laughs> kidding guys kidding <laughs> and then uh you know fucking the gravesite you know a little bit of a weird one but i wasn't surprised by that moment in the movie when he was doing that i was like no that that checks out for how uh How uh, Barry Keegan has been playing this throughout. And I just thought Rosamund Pike was amazing. She was like just comedically perfect in this film. Like you said, it was fun to get through. I am crazy jealous of Jacob Elordi and how he just is able to wear clothes. Like everything he wears just looks good. Like I wish I could just put on something be like, I feel comfortable in this. And Jacob, Lord, he could wear anything. It's a trash bag, and he's gonna freaking look good doing it. So, just super jealous of that guy. He's gonna be a star for years to come.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, there was a vampire scene. I will say, in some moments, there was a line about being a vampire that was just so funny in its conception of like the lines that he was saying was so like, what is happening? Um, so entertaining. I don't know Jacob Elordi from euphoria. So I gotta say I've been enjoying him in other roles because I'm not kind of tied to his performance where I know he plays like an asshole in euphoria. So like I get to just enjoy him as this like upper crest British person that he's playing in these films. And then, and honestly, like, you're so right. He dresses great. His accent I'm like in love with is so regal. It's so, you know, he's so good. I, or he's Australian, excuse me, but I'm just like, so entertaining. I mean, I totally get why a character like Barry Keegan is just like, you know, stars in his eyes, loves him, hates him, want to fuck him. You know, I totally get it.
0: It's such a, and they place it in 2006, which I think adds a little bit of a nostalgic factor to it. That way you don't have, you know, all the crazy like cell phone advancements and social media like we do now, which makes it a little bit more interesting. And, there are just so many so many great lines. There's co- really a lot of comedic elements to it. When uh, the one person that was staying at the house that leaves, and before she leaves, the uh, Rosamund Pike's like, oh, so you get in your own place? Oh, well, I'm sharing a room. Oh, like a walk-up. That's so cool. You know, Less to take care of. You only have your one room. A lot easier to maintain. And then when she dies, <laughs> she goes, yeah, she'd do anything for attention. Like, <laughs> just, I just... I do understand the main kind of criticism of what is the purpose? What is the bigger theme that this movie is trying to tell you? Because the villain wins in the end. He gets everything. These people die. How is this supposed to tell you how you're supposed to feel about this class structure dynamic? I don't give a shit. I had fun watching the movie. Do we really need this big overarching theme for everything? Maybe I just want to see the villain win once in a while, you know,
1: Justin, Justin, I love how in sync we are in this film. I completely agree. Sometimes you just want to watch a fun fucking movie. And if it's well done, you don't care. You don't care. And I certainly didn't care. You didn't care. It's just a fun time watching this movie. And uh, it was it kept me captivated the whole film. So keep making I movies. I have
0: two questions for you. Okay. So the big question is, he. I love the montages at the end that shows how he's been planning this for a long time. but. When did he decide to actually kill the family? Because at first, was he just trying to get in with Jacob Alordi's character? Or was his plan from the beginning to ingratiate himself and then pick them off? Because there's, I, it's not clear, which I think is uh, intentional, but it could be.
1: So we know it starts when they meet officially, since he punctured his bike so that he, he would just give trying him the to bike. Get,
0: into that lifestyle at the time, or was he thinking he would murder this guy down the line?
1: You know, it's hard to tell cause they don't tell you. So it's based off of what we guess. My guess yeah. is that I think that house and cause he knew kind of like the history of it when he was talking to his dad. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that is like a very famous house where they're at in, in Oxford. I think that he knew his character Jacob Lordy's character because he's like the top guy on campus, and I really do think he was like i you know I'm unhappy in my life it's not quite as terrible as I made it seem, but I'm unhappy and I want to say fuck this family. I think maybe it grew when he got there and got to know them because it's like, he didn't know the mom and the sister and like all that until he met them and stayed with them. But I think he's just a psychopath manipulator. And it didn't take him long to like get the rundown on the family and know how to like screw them over at every turn, you know? And, and kill once him.
0: Felix found out about his real family and how he was lying. I think that's what really cinched it. He's like, well, he knows who I am now, so I can't hide behind this facade. So, I just need to go through murdering everybody in a very methodical way over the next decade.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I I highly suggest, Saltburn, if you're just looking for a fun, weird movie, okay, be open-minded and don't take it so serious. And you're going to have a great time watching it. My VHS rating for this film, I'm going to give it four VHS tapes.
0: I also gave it four, Kayla.
1: Wow. Look at us. Look at we Justin. We didn't miss to a beat. We haven't <laughs> missed a beat. Um, that's fantastic. All right, Justin, this one's all on you with your review of anyone, but you.
0: All right. So anyone, but you is the new rom-com that came out recently based on much ado about nothing. Basically two strangers who hooked up once, hate each other and agree to pretend to date to make an ex jealous and stop their annoying parents. Obviously, you have the two uh, stars here, Sydney Sweeney playing B and Glenn Powell playing Ben. This was, I'm a big Sydney Sweeney fan and Glenn Powell. Like, I'm telling you, if they actually do ever just are a couple, they're just going to have the most gorgeous kids on the planet. Hour and 43 minutes, Kayla. This is bringing me back to early to mid-2000 rom-coms here. Just bring me back to those times. This is just... Was a fun movie. It was a date night for me and the wifey. We went, we laughed, we had popcorn, a good time. It was shot on location in Australia. The promotion for it was fun. There's Natasha Bedingfield's unwritten, like throughout the movie, and people are just making uh, TikToks all over about it. So there's just so much. It's a fun movie experience where you're all laughing at the jokes in the theater together and. I think in 2024 I like this more than maybe I would have 15 years ago because we don't have classic rom-coms anymore like it or at least theatrical releases of them. Now with all the streaming services, they just push out a whole bunch of crappy ones with subpar actors and actresses and, you know, spend 10% of the money. This was actually they got some stars, they had a good supporting cast. And they put promotion behind it, and I thought it was, it was a lot of fun, and it, it had kind of some raunchy sexual comedy at points, but it wasn't over the top in that. It was corny at points, but all rom coms are corny at points. So, you know, as long as you lean into it, it, it was a good time, Kayla.
1: I'm glad because you really are rom com component. So nothing's worse than like being excited for a film you can't really see a lot, you don't see a lot in theaters, and then having it be lackluster. So I'm glad you both enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it used to, I feel like rom-coms used to be like a stepping stone for big actors. Like you had the McConaughey's, you had the Meg Ryan's, Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, freaking Sandra Bullock, Paul Rudd. Like all these people kind of got their start with rom cons and then expanded. And when's the last time we've had like a really good group of upcoming actors that have participated in these types of movies? Like nothing's jumping out. I'm sure I'm missing one or two in in the last five years or so, but nothing that really had staying power, anyway.
1: Everyone's so serious, you know. Everyone wants to have that like big dramatic moment in these films. So I'm hoping maybe this will inspire some more rom coms like it, and maybe just some more fun group movies. You know, think of like forgetting Sarah Marshall, like raunchy, funny had it's really like serious moments. Like I want movies like that, you know, that even as a group effort doesn't have to just be the two people in question, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's, it's not really like over, it's not like there's nudity everywhere. There's a couple scenes, female and male nudity at parts, So they're kind of all over, all over the board and you hit all the classic tropes of they hook up, they hate each other. They're faking being back together. No, they actually like each other. Oh, wait, are they, they break up again oh wait are they going to get back together so i was all in it was fun and really enjoyed it kayla so you uh it doesn't sound like you're really interested in seeing this though i
1: think when it comes out of streaming if it does i'll watch it i do i just for me it wasn't like a theater movie for me just because i don't know something i don't know what it is about rom-coms but they just don't call to me
0: that that's fair. It was actually a very expensive uh, movie night for us because we didn't go on a Tuesday. So that oh, yes. that was the only unfortunate part because movie tickets are expensive nowadays, folks. Let me tell you. Or so. <laughs> er,
1: my, <day>. <laughs> my day. We used to have eight dollars. We used to have six dollar matinees, <laughs> but we did.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did a matinee and it was fifteen bucks a ticket or something. So. Yeah. But my VHS rating on this one, Kalo, is three and a half VHS tapes.
1: Okay, three and a half. And I think I it's mean, really a...
0: tough for a rom com to be like a five VHSer, you know, because there's they're just inherently corny to a certain point where you're like, really? You went that route? But all in all, I recommend.
1: Good. I'm glad I'm glad you uh you enjoyed the film here. All right, we're gonna go to a movie that I saw, which is The Boy and the Heron, also known as How Do You Live? All right, so The Boy and the Heron is produced by Studio Ghibli. It's a big, fantastical film following a boy named Mahito, which I loved every time they said his name in the film. Mahito, um, during the Pacific War, who discovers an abandoned tower in his new town after his mother's death and enters a fantastical world with a talking gray heron. Um, You know, everyone has their preferences when they see films, whether it's dubbed um, or subtitled dubbed or subbed. I saw it dubbed because it, ah, I subs mean,
0: better Kayla. What do you? No, doing?
1: I mean, I hear you, but with studio Ghibli films in particular, he picks like just amazing actors to do the voices. So eventually I will see it in its original, um, voice. But for now I saw it with, um, the English dub stars, which of course was Robert um, Pattison, Luca Padovan, Christian Bale returning for another studio Ghibli film, Mark Hamill. I, for, what actress I've heard about I don't know Florence Pugh, William Defoe, Dave Batista, Florence, Florence Pugh. I I, Pugh. I don't talk about her much on this pod, but really she great up, and, up coming? and coming actress. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, maybe we'll talk about her in the future. We'll see. Um, but I mean so fantastic voices in the dub. So I did see it. and I saw it by myself. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie by myself. And I actually like spontaneously took a half day at work. Saw it at like two o'clock. It was honestly like a fun midday time at the theater. I'm a big fan of Studio Ghibli films. Um, Spirit Away. I saw, I think my parents didn't realize that, you know, it was, not an you know english film when i saw it for the first time like they just saw like cartoon movie i'm pretty sure like animated and they're like show like this and i loved it um my sister hated it but i rewatched it like a gazillion times especially because i think it came out in the 90s and just hit the perfect time and i love that movie i've seen several of his films since um i mean and he has his own amusement park. I mean, these films are, are very famous, um, you know, anime and, uh, I don't watch a lot of anime. This is kind of it as far as films, but I just really enjoyed this movie. It wasn't like a top Ghibli film for me, but you know, it had a lot of, um, just fun, fantastical story. You know, it didn't take itself too seriously as some of the plots in his other films. So I had a good time. I'm going to give this film a good three and a half. Be just tape. I think I was hoping for like something that may get close to the other films that I really enjoy of his, My Neighbor Tutorial. Um, but it was like a good time. It's never like a bad time seeing one of his films, so I, I'd recommend this if you want to kind of dip into you know a Ghibli film. Have you seen any of his films, Justin?
0: I don't believe so. No, I'm not really into animated mm-hmm. uh films or shows much, but with how much i'm hearing about all of these maybe i need to give it a shot
1: i think if i recommend anyone for you to like get a taste of his films a spirited away i think is his most celebrated um but for like very good reasons i watched that a million times um great films and great uh english dub actors too in his films too all right the next film we're going to discuss is the holdovers All right, so The Holdovers follows a bad-tempered history teacher at a New England boarding school who is forced to chaperone a handful of students with nowhere to go on Christmas break. Stars Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa. What did you think about The Holdovers, Justin?
0: I really enjoyed it, and this is a movie that I was on the fence of seeing because I was like, yeah, it doesn't look that fun, that exciting, the hype started getting so much with it and it was released on Peacock. Well, I bought Peacock for a couple of football games here for a month and I'm soon going to be canceling. So I was like, well, it's on here. Let me watch it. And I really, really enjoyed it. It's got a good cast. It's a, it's just a heartwarming, good Christmas movie. You got boy coming of age uh, paired up against the disgruntled old man who has given up hope on life. And if I, I, like looked up correctly here, Dominic Sessa, who plays the uh the lead boy in this Angus Tully, I think this is his first acting role ever, which is really impressive for how he held his own in scenes with Paul Giamatti and it's his first acting credit, Kayla.
1: Yeah, he he did really good. I mean, a la um Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter, he was just kind of discovered. Um, and so I think he has from this film alone, definitely, I'm sure, is getting offers left and right. I thought he carried this film well. You know, to me, this movie, I have a nostalgia, certainly, for, you know, 80s, 90s films that are kind of like this. It reminds me of, like, Dead Poets Society. 100%. Um, It almost was like a modern, even though it wasn't set in modern times, right? It was still like a 2020s lens that this film was made kind of re like trying to bring that back, like that kind of style of film. That's just kind of like cranky people feel good lessons, like older teacher kind of teaching young boys, even, you know, I don't know that that necessarily worked for me, you know, like in some ways the nostalgia of those films works for like the time those were most being filmed, you know, seeing it like this film now just kind of feels like, yeah, we kind of did that a couple times in movies past you know like i don't know that this this film to me is like bringing back the nostalgia of that genre is not necessarily do it wasn't like wow this is something new to it it kind of just felt more familiar than something kind of new but the performances were fantastic i love paul giamani's great
0: so you just don't know cinema kayla
1: i don't yeah, know this cinema is, this is actually this my is first cinema. film <laughs> and uh, See, yeah i like
0: so. i did like the uh, kind of bringing it back to that I think you nailed it, kind of like an 80s, early 90s feel to it. And it's set in the 70s, I believe, like mid-70s. So it just, you don't see a lot of these movies. And I think this is just where I've been going. We've had such a run of superheroes or IP or all of these big blockbuster movies. There's such like a gap, or there has been in the last five, 10 years, of these just good movies by good directors with good actors that cost 50 million to a hundred million to make and don't cost $500 million to make. And then they're just good. You go see them in the theaters and you have a good time. And that's exactly kind of the niche that, uh, the holdovers hit for me.
1: Listen, I'm here with you. So what would you rate the holdovers?
0: I give it four and a half VHS tapes.
1: Four and a half. Wow. You yeah. really enjoyed the I really song. liked
0: it. Yeah. Wow. It was one okay. of those I started it and I was like, I wonder if I'm going to watch this in like a whole bunch of different sittings. And then I just sat on the couch and was like, I'm sitting here until this movie's over.
1: Did you like Paul Giamatti's character? Like it wasn't, I'd say the traditional, like, here's this grumpy asshole teacher who like becomes completely soft in the end. You know, like he still kind of had his like quirks. I mean, it, you know, did you enjoy that? that he kind of had this multifaceted character. He wasn't just like from 100%. Grump to nice guy. That you know?
0: That's one of the things I really enjoyed about it is it wasn't just a full 180. It's mm-hmm. this kid is teaching him how to live more and like enjoy his life and go after these things, his passions, but he's still kind of the same guy deep down inside, right? He's not just going to give in and all of a sudden be the kid's best friend. So he, they still, even when they're getting along and, having a good time, they still have blow ups at each other, which I think is more realistic human interaction in those situations, especially when it's a teacher student relationship. It's just not going to go from angry to fuzzy immediately. There's going to be kind of a push and pull throughout
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I I think like if I could kind of pretend this was a real story and predict what happened afterwards, I think it's like a great example of people who are like sometimes just meant to pass in your life, you know, like aren't meant to stay because at the end, you know, like Paul Giamatti's character is just stuck where he's at. He's not he's afraid of kind of failing and leaving the school and traveling and making this book that he wants to do. And so I think that like this kid comes into his life in a moment that he didn't want him at all. And then, you know, through circumstances of the film and his own choices, he's kind of on a journey to do what he always wanted to do and wasn't really pushing himself to do. And I gotta say, the end, I did tear up at the end, like when they were saying their goodbye. I was like, damn, this fucking movie got me. I mean, the whole time, yep. even like some really <laughs> sad moments, and that that ending got me there when they're both like trying not to sob, and like he has no father figure, and I don't know, that gets me. That gets me every time. Um, I'm gonna give it a three VHS Ooh. tape for me.
0: All right. Yeah, we are. This is the only one we are really at kind of opposite ends on.
1: Yeah, you know, but, you know, that's cinema, you know, hits you differently. All right. Let's go ahead and go into the next film, which is Leave the World Behind on Netflix. This film stars the great Julia Roberts, the great Marshall Ali, Ethan Hawke. Have you heard of him? And Kevin Bacon. As they attempt to make sense of the sequential rapid breakdown in phones, television, gasp, and other regularly used technology, which points to a potential catalyst. And what did you think of this film, Justin? which I got to say when I watched it, was not the film I thought it was going to be. Go ahead.
0: I think we're going to be at opposite ends on this one too, Kayla. I loved it. I thought this was great. I like the overarching, like, what is happening to society if we lose our devices? Just chaos erupts. I love that it was kind of open-ended. You don't get the answers at the end because if this happens in real life, this is how it's going to be. You're going to have to survive and figure it out without knowing truly what's happening. I love the acting performances throughout. There's a hilarious dancing scene in the middle of this movie that... Just as reminiscent of Seinfeld Elaine episode, so I I just I really enjoyed the film, and I wish I would have watched it on a big screen instead of on my uh, tablet.
1: Um, yeah, we definitely are on opposite ends. I like weird movies, and this was a weird movie, but I could not get into it. I just thought, like, what a great cast. I am intrigued by the premise and some of the scenes, like with the Teslas, was really fun. The ending, I really related to the Rose character, who the entire time this little girl is just determined to watch the finale of Friends. I didn't relate to it in that I barely ever watched Friends, but I related to it, the end of the world, you just want to watch a season finale of a show you enjoy. So her whole mission throughout the film was to get to that, and she did. So honestly, it was... A true heroic journey for the character of Rose for me.
0: I loved the ending. I love yeah. that it was like, we they don't lay it out for you, but they give you enough that they're all going to wind up this location. They're all kind of trying to find their way there. And pretty much because she wandered off and is like, hey, here's an open house. Let me eat all of their food, which probably not the smartest move. And then just a wall of what is it, Kayla? physical media this is why you buy the dvds and the this blu-rays is why for we this have exact the DVDs. moment
1: yes you're right if we're prepared for the end of the world in only having dvds <laughs> that's, and that's it that's why but... you should
0: all make sure you download the podcast so don't just yes. stream it just in case you want to have just it in all case, downloaded you guys
1: just in every case every
0: episode multiple times um
1: right. yeah i couldn't get into it i just the linear plot that just Had, like, kind of weird things happen. Like, the son, like, loses all of his teeth, which was insane. The, like, what's happening? Like, is it Russian spies? Is it, like, global warming? Is it, like, some sort of plot? They left it kind of, like you said, open-ended, but I just, like, no part of it was, like, I'm following in certain ways. I mean, I guess it was a good, like, it was a good fixation on just this group right like you don't know kind of what's going on everyone else you're just like following this family and what happens and in that like i enjoy just seeing one person's version of it kind of like a clover field right like you're seeing one groups but what happened in other countries exactly But i just i i couldn't like totally get on board with this film i was like this is not what i thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be more coherent i guess
0: wow just uh Mm -hmm. taking (laughs) stabs that leave the world behind Kayla. i I think he kind of uh outlined it pretty close towards the end there when uh sure. Mahershala Ali's was saying they did a study about how you could topple a government and this would be the most cost beneficial way to do it so it would make sense if another government's trying to basically topple uh, the United States of America in which we live Kayla so they just have sure, all these but like, drones it's like, that's dropping his,
1: things. That's his, you know, like what? What are? what is everyone else interpreting? Where are they? You know, like.
0: I don't care about anybody else. I'm fine okay, focused okay. on those folks gotcha. right there. I think it gets. I don't want this to be a hero's journey of, okay, somebody saves the day and stops the warfare. I love that it was just like, this is happening. Shit. We don't really know what to do. We're trying to figure it out. We can't contact people. We can't use GPS. We can't do anything. Let's just drink wine and dance and hope for the best. I don't know. You know, just drink
1: wine and dance. That's really the the moral of any movie and any real life decision. All right, Justin, what would you give to Leave the World Behind?
0: Four VHS tapes, Kayla. Four. Wow.
1: Okay. Gonna, okay. Are you going to no, be that's, below that's two your is true question? No, I'm not going to be below two. I'm okay. going to give it like two and a half because I wasn't miserable watching it. I just didn't enjoy it. So two, two and a half VHS tapes
0: for me. My only issue, it's probably a little long. You could probably cut out okay. what
1: would you 15,
0: cut? 20 minutes because it was about two and a half hours. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, I think some of the stuff in the beginning, we can, we could trim that up a little bit. Like it, it takes a little while for Mahershala and Mayala to show up at the house and Then when they go to leave, you could probably cut a few minutes out of that. There's a couple of times where it it, kind of drags on. But I think they did really cool cinematography. Like the camera Mm -hmm. work was pretty unique, like where they were kind of coming down. They were swirling through. You're seeing different perspectives. You're looking through the house, like the floors up and down. So I was very interested in just how they shot the whole thing.
1: I love that for you, Justin. I do. All right, let's go ahead and get to our last film of this discussion, which is just a film I saw the other day. So I'm going to stuff it in here. Um, I saw Mean Girls the Musical. All right, so Mean Girls the Musical, it's Mean Girls, but it's a musical. Here's what I'll say. We talked about a musical earlier with Wonka. What I appreciate in Mean Girls the Musical, which I did not know the music going into it. I didn't listen to it. I kind of want to experience it at the theater. I don't appreciate, one, the nostalgia for Mean Girls because that was w- within our teendom. So I don't really appreciate this like, oh, I remember Glenn Coco. Like, I remember these moments and then me feeling like I'm a thousand years old <laughs> because people are experiencing it for the first time. And I'm just thinking about how in school we would say that all the time to each other. You know, two for you, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. Um, they What they did right. And I went with Kayla and she kind of wasn't really feeling the cast because it just was so different from the look of mean girls, but here's what I'll say. I care more on choosing actors that can sing in a musical movie than I care about how they fit, meaning like how they look or how I remember like the Karen character, like that matters little to me if they can sing and they could all pretty much sing. I will say the Katie character main character um, was the weakest singer to me. Right. And arguably she's one of the more important ones, but Renee Rapp, Renee, motherfucking rap from the sex lives of college girls who is kind of taking a hiatus from acting and or the show to kind of focus on her pop career. And I got to say her album has no bad songs. Fantastic. She really brought this movie to life. It was so good. I mean, she was phenomenal. Um, in this film, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was just a good time in the theater. You know what I mean? Like it, in some ways, was it like a replica of mean girls? Did you kind of feel like, oh, I I mean, I've seen how this goes, but a lot of it was just, I didn't remember parts. So it was kind of newish to me. I'm like, Oh, I didn't remember that was from this movie. The songs were fun. The uh, Janice character was played by the actress who does Moana, which I had not watched that movie, but I know the main song because it's, you have not watched
0: Moana. Kayla. I have
1: not watched Moana. No. Oh my God.
0: How, you and you know she we've was, been doing this podcast for we're going on four years now and i still haven't gotten the basics like moana into your you filmography no, i just no. i don't know what to do anymore
1: uh, rude i know i didn't watch it but she's fantastic so she's she's really belting in this um i i enjoyed it it was a good film i recommend it if you just want like a fun a new way to watch mean girls without feeling like oh, i'm just re-watching this you know i i think I might even buy it on DVD. Who's to say um, my VHS rating for this film is going to be four VHS tapes. Just a fun time at the theater. All right. So that wraps it up for our film wrap up here. Hope you go and see each and every film. Even if we rated it low, decide for yourselves. Let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and get to our Swarley of the week.
0: All right, Kayla. So my swarly of the week is going to kind of go along with a quick thing that you said on leave the world behind. There's a scene about the Teslas kind of get hijacked. So my swarly of the week is electronic vehicles right now, specifically electronic vehicles in the cold weather. There have been so many reports that cars aren't charging in below freezing temperatures. They're taking two, three times as long to charge. So it's taking hours for them to get a full charge. Uh, some people had have some people have had to abandon their cars because they won't start or they can't get in the doors because the handles are frozen, and the process is taking way longer than even it should in uh, below freezing temperatures and then they're getting about half of the distance they should off of a charge. So I'm just I've seen like three different reports on this and such a swirly move. We've been in a bit of a polar kind of vortex here the last uh like week or two and one of the reasons I have been hesitant in getting an electric car is the infrastructure here in central New York. And the cold, it's a very, it's cold here six months out of the year. And I'm worried what happens if these things don't function or if they take three hours to charge. And now that fear is proving to be true for many other owners.
1: Yeah. It did not deter you from the film. You were like, you know what? It's a risk. I may be willing to take at some point. I mean, I'm with it, you know, they're better for you, but at what cost? Maybe getting to work in time because your car's frozen and you can't leave your driveway. So I'm with you there. Um, my swarly is going to be our swarly and I've been holding this on for several weeks because I've been <laughs> angry at him since Christmas party that we went to in December and it's January folks Half more than halfway. So we were at um our annual Christmas party and Craig told me about a video game that he had been playing on his PC called boulders gate three i heard of it because it won game of the year and it is i mean it's D essentially what we play all day which we love so it had components that i like now i i game but i wouldn't consider myself a gamer because i play like the same few games i'm not really like trying to find new games all the time I was in the middle of playing the spider man game, so I was like i don't I don't know if I want to get into another game right now. I still have like a game and a half to play, but Craig was animate, he's like we we can play this together just going he showed me the game while we were at this party. I mean he just was raving about our abilities to play d and d which is nice because we lately don't play d and d regularly, so I go, You know what? This will be fun that we could play d and d from our houses even better for me. love it." So I bought the game. The game was $60. Okay. Bought the game. It's downloading. I'm like, I can't wait to play with Craig. This is going to be so fun. Kate wants to play. Then I go, well, let me, how does this work? If he's playing on the computer, that's pretty cool that I can play on my PlayStation five and we can play. I look it up and I go, it says you can't have cross play in this game. Like you have, you can play PC to PC together, but not console to PC. I immediately text Craig and he goes like, no, that's, that's not true. He looks at me and goes, Oh yeah, you can't. And now he <laughs> has a PC. Kate does. I have a PlayStation. So I cannot play with anyone that I know this $60 oh, game that I bought. And they have no date of when that's going to be able to be done. So it could be this year. It could be next year. It could be never. Um, I don't appreciate that, Craig, because not only did you get me to a game I can't actually play with you, but two, it has completely dominated my life in the way that I really had to, like, hide my controller to watch the holdovers because I've not watched anything because I'm obsessed with fucking finishing this game And I've surpassed him. He's at, like, level one, and I'm at, like, eight. I'm so far ahead of him storyline, I can't even talk to him about it because he's, like, done three things in the game. So it's so frustrating. Why would you give me this game (laughs) that I've already surpassed you and I can't play with you? So, Swarly, you are my Swarly.
0: That is a very fair Swarly. Uh, Also, anytime Swarly says something like that, immediately fact check him. That's just a general rule of thumb. And not, not many people, Kayla, just dive in head first, like all or nothing like you when you're interested in something. So you can't blame them too much for not just spending 18 hours a day playing this game for the past week or whatever you've been doing.
1: You're, you're right. You're right. I certainly have more time on my hands. I could say I have more dedication on my hands, um, but yeah, you're right. I've made up my life as I often do, but still, and now I can't do anything until I finish this game and I'm off next week. And that's my mission is to finish this fucking game so I can go back to movies that I miss. So thanks uh, for Ah, Kayla that. turning
0: you. games, video games into homework again. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs>
1: as is the way. All right. Let's go ahead and get to our friendship question of the week. All right, Justin, here's my question to you and to us. How do you shower? Do you need more than that?
0: <laughs> uh, I think a little bit more would be helpful. Yes, <laughs> I'd be happy
1: to add some context to you. So, on online, which I chronically am, there's been a lot of discussion about how people shower, and here's where I'm going to get specific. What way do you face when you shower? Here are your options, and I guess if you have a fourth one, I'm very intrigued. But here are the main ones. There is face forward Phase down to ass. the shower oh, that- water. Yes, exactly. That's how. Um face forward to the shower water. There's facing the shower wall, right? So your head, your hair is kind of back to the water. And then there's a weird third option of sideways meaning you're facing the shower curtain. I I don't know. Unhinged people. That's for psychopathic
0: that one. behavior if you go sideways. So
1: what way do you face? When you shower, Justin, because I thought everyone kind of did it the same way. And what has been blowing up online is that people do not all do it the same way.
0: So I think this is kind of difficult because it's a combination of two. So primarily sure. I am. But primarily I get in the shower. All right. I get in the shower. Get the body wet. Uh-huh. Get the, uh, the soap or whatever. I'm facing away from the shower, uh-huh. like towards the wall yep. as I'm doing my lathering up. I will like wash my back, turn around, wash my front and then when I'm facing the shower head I'll uh, wash my hair. So I'm primarily back to the shower and then okay. turn to wash that side.
1: Okay. Thank you for that information. And okay. uh that's it for our episode this week. Um, uh, just kidding, I'll answer. <laughs> I only now uh, here's to add some context, I guess I'm curious. Maybe ask Chit when we finish the pod what she does because she has more hair. So I think that's sometimes also She just like,
0: sits down in the tub and showers <laughs> that way. <laughs> that she, was the fourth option, is that if yeah. you just
1: sit down in the tub and let the water <laughs> cascade you till it gets cold. Um I face primarily the shower wall, meaning my hair is getting hit by the water. Now, that's, of course, like you said, you need to have full body coverage when you shower. So, of course, I'm spinning around throughout, but primarily I'm facing the shower wall. Of course, I often, as you know, watch television in the shower. So, really, it's to face the screen as well. But people who are primarily, like, facing the water... I don't understand. I don't know if that's from like being a kid when like your water would be in your face and you'd be like always trying to shy away. But like, I don't know how you do that for the whole I shower. I think if you're
0: in your feels and you just want the water yes. to go over your head and you could just yeah. watch it dripping down, then yes. <laughs> or, you know, shower and you have to be facing the wall. If you're having a shower beer, you can't be having uh the water hit you in the face while you're drinking your beer. Logistics of that. So I think me and I've you are I've never had a uh, shower beer. Here
1: so i would never know. had
0: a shower beer? never oh kayla you're missing out or a shower <laughs> cider it's
1: like yeah, one of the great joys cider of cider, life if you will actually that does sound delicious Now i always figured if i'm having a cider in the shower i don't know maybe i need to look into some stuff but i'm not quite <laughs> there sometimes but maybe it's just a, refreshing you know i do watch things in the shower so maybe i just put on a good movie and then just have like a glass of wine you're right let me think about
0: what that. uh i have one other follow-up shower question okay sure do you wash? your full legs in the shower. Now I think mm, this is that, an obvious question. You're talking about,
1: a, you're talking about for, a prior discourse that was online about. Yeah. I've washing seen legs. things happening
0: and I, I don't know if I'm the weirdo here, but I wash my legs and my feet every time I shower. Maybe I don't go past the knees if it's my second shower of the day or something, mm-hmm. but. I just think it's really odd that some people are just like, oh, the the soap just runs down. I don't need to wash my legs. That just seems that's just that's
1: exactly what's happening online. Is the biggest thing is people were realizing people just let essentially the shampoo and or conditioner run down your body and saying that that would suffice as a proper wash nope. of your legs. You nope. know, not it's it's a step above I would say a hoe bath. You know, um, <laughs> but not quite much more than that um wild to me no i'm a wash team washcloth by the way that was also part of the discourse um and it is full up. body oh um, it is it is full bodied as it should be uh because dirt gets everywhere you guys you can't just not wash your feet that's how you get yeah, feet, feet are
0: important and if you're gonna wash your feet you may as well wash your shins and calves like what are you doing
1: yeah you have to like you know, I, I do enjoy the reels that are like women having like a full body shower, you know, shaving all the things and like the like stretching that they kind of do in the videos, like to kind of prepare yourself. It's like a whole move when you're like, oh, I got to yeah, get there's this a arm. leg
0: like eight feet up the wall. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, all right. Contorted. It takes time, like,
1: you're, it takes time, like you're being so.
0: demented by a demon. You're being possessed. Like you got to get in weird positions. Yeah.
1: You know, folks, we're getting into 2024. We're getting real. We're getting vulnerable. We're telling you how we shower so that you can better listen to us because you know we're clean. So you're welcome. Facts. Facts. (laughs) Wrong opinions only. We're clean. Hashtag. Okay. (laughs) I think that wraps it up for episode this week. Again, please go ahead and watch the films we discussed. We got a lot ahead this year. Maybe some news, some exciting things. You know, who knows what goes on here? All right. As always, we'll see you next week.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK out.